0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Buckswire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Buckswire editor, Luke Easterling.
1: Hey there. Welcome to the program. It's episode 15 of the Buckswire Podcast, and Luke. It's a re-entry week for us with the Bucks coming off a bye. Are you all rested up and ready for this stretch run or what?
2: I mean, uh, I think I'm as close as I'm going to get, right? <laughs> I, uh, I, did, I wasn't as banged up as some of the guys on this team had been right. for the bye week. So uh, I think I'll be all right. Uh, just saw the injury report for Wednesday. Definitely some, uh, some interesting notes on there that uh, we'll have to keep track of this week. But, um, you know, no, no rest for the... The non-weary, I guess, the Bucs are, are coming off the buy at a perfect time. They finally get it, and they need it because, you know, what we thought was going to be a pretty easy four-game stretch here actually got a lot more interesting because the Minnesota Vikings, obviously, they've won five of six. That turns this week into a must-win for the Bucks at home. Uh, we were talking Super Bowl a couple months ago, and now we're talking, hey, can we just hold on and, uh, and hold on to a wild-card spot here?
1: That's why the NFL is the NFL. It's a beautiful thing, and you're right. Interesting is a good way to describe the Vikings and and that debacle they had against the Jags. They did everything they could to lose against Jacksonville. They somehow pulled that off. But for the show and for the just for our purposes, I'm glad they won because now you're right. They're right there, six and six. But as you said, I mean, this game against the Vikings is it, it's got to be like a narrow focus and it, it's all about this game right now and you lose this one and it's a lot of doom and gloom at that point if you lose this game to the vikings
2: yeah like you said it's it's kind of a it's another test for this team to prove if they belong and like you said it, it, if they lose at home coming off the bye week to a team that just you know barely beat a one-win jacksonville team in overtime at home I mean, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs, right? I mean, you, obviously, you'd need to win out. You've got two against the Falcons. The Lions, you know, are probably the the worst team out of that group right now because Atlanta's playing some pretty good ball since Raheem Morris took over. Obviously, that's a fun storyline, being the Bucs' former head coach. But that defense is playing way better in Atlanta, and it's really hard to beat a team twice, let alone twice in three weeks. Uh, and that first one is in Atlanta. So, you know, I, I just did my predictions for these last four games. I do have the Bucs winning this game against the Vikings. But I think that that game the week after against Atlanta, in Atlanta could be a trap game for them, especially if they come off an emotional win against Minnesota. So all four of these games are going to be very unique, very interesting to, to test not just where this, this Bucks team is at on the field, but just their mental toughness and their ability to to take care of business in, in all phases of the game. And like you said, it you, they can't look past this game because if Minnesota wins, then Minnesota jumps them and, and because they've got the same record and a tiebreaker at that point. So it's all in front of them. They've got to handle their business this week.
1: Also in this little wild card uh, pool is the... Seahawks, they've fallen back into the pack a little bit. The Rams have leapfrogged them. And in that four spot are the Giants. So that's one thing that happened while the Bucks were off, Luke, is the NFC East kind of rose up a little bit and said, hey, look at us, we're here. The Washington football team beating the Steelers, knocking them off. That's, that's their first loss, so no undefeated team this year. And then the Giants going on the road with Colt McCoy and beating the Seahawks, I thought was just a wow. That was kind of a statement win for that team. That was unbelievable. It got me thinking, like, man, if the Bucks do win, you know, win out here and play well, like, like I think you and I both think, like at our core, I think we both believe that's going to happen until they prove us wrong, right? Till they make us feel otherwise, we both feel like they're going to play well down the stretch. They should beat all of these teams. They should win all four of these games. But if you do, you're probably in that number five spot again. And how would you feel about going to New York now? I think in a couple of weeks. I mean, a couple weeks ago. We were joking about that very scenario. We're like, this is where you want to be. Number five seed, it's all good. You don't have to win the division. You're good. I'm starting to think that game in New York with Brady and his history against the Giants and that whole thing, and that first game over in Tampa earlier this year, right? Like, the Giants kind of on fire, playing really well on defense. Oh, boy, that's starting to get a little
2: scary. Yeah, I don't know that there's actually a really nice draw anymore. I think that was the one, we talked about it on that show, where it was like, hey, you do whatever you can to get the five seed so you can play whoever wins the East, right? But, I mean, if that's your best bet, it doesn't look very good right because other than that you've got the Rams who beat you at home on Monday Night Football you've got the, the Packers who you destroyed back in week 4 or 5 or whatever it was And, and but obviously I mean that's not going to happen again come on you don't want to face Aaron Rodgers after you embarrassed him you don't want to give him that opportunity right you don't want to play the Saints again because they've beaten you twice and embarrassed you the last time so uh, like you said if, if the best they can do is play whoever wins the East you know a team like the Giants go back and look at when Seattle has struggled this year they struggled against the Giants on Sunday. They struggled against the Buffalo Bills. Teams with very strong defenses, guys that can play press man very, very well against those wide receivers. If you force Russell Wilson to get uncomfortable in that pocket, which isn't hard to do because that offensive line is really not that great. Nice. The strength of that team is in, in Russ and, and that offense being balanced, being able to take deep shots and, and get big plays because their defense is terrible. So if you if you can't do, if the Seahawks can't do that on offense, they can't do much at all. So there's a blueprint for beating some of these teams, but man, it's starting to look pretty bleak for the Bucks trying to find a matchup that, that really favors them you know, as much as we thought it might to face the, the NFC East winner. If it is the Giants, they've already proven that they can play the Bucks very, very well. And again, there's just you, you're running out of ways. This is why you win your division, right? This is why you win your division so you don't have to worry about this yeah. as much. But again, that's kind of out the window, right? I mean, I think the so. Bucks. Have, I, I just wrote this up for, for Buckswire today. I wrote about the fact that the city of Tampa is kind of having to adjust it to expectations as far as hosting the Super Bowl because of COVID-19. Obviously, it's not going to be everything that a uh, host city normally expects. The Bucks team has had to adjust their expectations, I think, from, hey, Super Bowl or bust in the offseason to, dear God, I hope we just make the playoffs. <laughs> Seriously, <at this> <laughs> yeah, and what
1: a disappointment it would be. Yeah, I think the only team that's really feeling comfortable is whoever ends up in that number one spot. I think the Saints have a great chance to be it, but that's the team that'll be comfortable in that first weekend. The team that's not playing. All these games are kind of sketchy and scary. And even the Giants, I think there's not even an easy game if you if you end up in that number five spot. So you mentioned the injury report. I think the, the big name on there, for me at least, is one of my favorite players is Chris. Uh, Godwin. And I know you you can't always choose how this happens. I'm sure there's a reason. It's probably a timeline, medical and all that stuff. It's kind of a bummer that the Bucks have been off for all this time and Godwin just had these pins taken out of his finger on Tuesday. And now he's like not practicing on Wednesday and it's kind of questionable and what do you think about him is is there a chance he might not be able to suit up
2: I mean I feel like everything's got to be on the table right now right I mean first of all you got to think Tuesday's practice wasn't really a practice so that one doesn't count as much it was kind of a walkthrough and not really part of the normal week of uh, preparation they only get that because they're coming out of that bye week so they you know if you throw that one out he misses today you know obviously you'd love to have him at least in some limited capacity on Thursday because Friday is usually just you know more of a walkthrough as well so so, you know, Bruce Arians said it on, on Tuesday, I believe. He's one of the toughest players that he's ever coached. Mind you, he's coached guys like Heinz Ward and Larry Fitzgerald, particularly yeah. at that position, that yeah. slot position. Guys that he really, you know, embrace that toughness of that position. So, Godwin is, is if anybody can tough it out, it'll be him. I think even if he does play, I think the, the challenge for a guy in that position is if you do miss Wednesday, say you miss Thursday, that's all the reps. That's all the practice reps. That's all the install. You know, look at what happened to the Chiefs this past week. They had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, their starting running back, missed most of the week with the flu, and then they had him active on you know, Sunday night for that game but he didn't play because they didn't need him and because when you miss a whole week of practice, you know, you miss all the install. You miss all those those reps, you know, repping all the stuff that you're going to try to run against the particular team you're facing. So I think that would be the, the biggest challenge, I think, for Godwin is not necessarily whether or not he will play. I think he's obviously going to try to tough it out um, if I had to guess based on what I you know have seen him do in the past. But you just question the effectiveness at that point because he may not be as crisp because he hasn't had those reps in practice.
1: Well, he's been playing with pins in his finger and a broken finger. So that's, that tells y'all you, you need to
2: know, right? So He's yeah. legit, man. He's he, awesome. he may be the most complete wide receiver in the NFL and obviously I'm a little bit biased cuz he's down here in Tampa and sure. I'm obviously biased cuz you know, leading up to that draft, I was a big fan of him as a prospect. The Bucks stole him in the 3rd round, obviously. But I mean, he's a stud. He there's a reason he plays that position so well for Harrison Evans cuz he does everything that you need from a receiver very, very well.
1: The Bucks need him out there, and there's no doubt about that. So, as I said, it's kind of a re-entry week for us coming off the bye week. So, a lot of things happened over the uh, you know while the bucks were away and and while luke was on vacation and i I forget where he was he was out at the (laughs) beach or something. what's that word you just used (laughs) luke was on vacation during the bye week on the beach i think that's what i'm just i'm just envisioning that for you luke but i'll take it i'll
2: live in that reality for you
1: but a lot of things happened so let's go around the league we'll do some we'll do some bucks topics but we'll go around the league here get luke's takes on some things that happened around the league while we were away we'll do that coming up next
0: fantasy football is about proving that you are better
2: than your friends
0: Sit up, start up. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini
3: from thehuddle.com. I'm Corey Benigni of TheHuddle.com welcoming you to week 14 of the fantasy football season. If you're still listening, that means you're likely in the playoffs. Let's talk strong plays to help get you into week 15 action. This one isn't for the faint of heart. Jaguars quarterback Mike Glennon faces the Tennessee Titans. Only four teams have been easier to exploit, and six different quarterbacks have gone for at least 23 fantasy points versus Tennessee, including nearly 31 points from Gardner Minshew back in week two. If you squeaked into the playoffs and are truly desperate, Glennon And is a Hail Mary option. New York Jets running back Ty Johnson at the Seattle Seahawks. This is one you'll have to watch from an injury perspective because Frank Gore left last week with a concussion. It's hard to see the Jets turning away from Johnson after the spark he gave this offense last week. While Seattle's defense has been easily exploited through the air this season, the ground game is catching up. Last week we saw New York Giants running backs Wayne Gallman and Alfred Morris demonstrate this with some smash-mouth football of their own. Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro versus the Indianapolis Colts. On paper, the matchup isn't a appealing. but we saw last week Houston's Kiki Kuti went for 141 yards on 8 receptions, and the Colts have been pleased to give up underneath work to wide receivers if it means they don't let guys like Nelson Aguilar or Henry Ruggs uncork a long one over the top. As we've seen throughout 2020, Renfro isn't involved very much unless the team is playing from behind. In that case, volume is what gives them a chance to matter against Indianapolis. Another recommendation that's worth trying, but requires gamers to pay attention to the injury report, Anthony Firkser of the Tennessee Titans, starting to and John Smith has a knee injury and Miss week 13. It's unclear if he'll play at this time in week 14, and if not, Firkser belongs in lineups. He landed five of seven looks last week for 51 yards, and that line would have been better if backup tight end McCall Pruitt didn't steal a touchdown from him. Everybody loves that on the verge of the fantasy football playoffs. Jacksonville has given up nine touchdowns in 12 games to the position, and more impressively, that has come at a clip of one every five catches. For that alone, Ferkser is a gamble in all leagues if you're looking for a tight end. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. Jets coming, Carr, put some air under it,
4: wide open his runs for the touchdown! <laughs> Miraculous! <laughs> no! feet and that's just situational awareness you know look Henry Ruggs runs four to 740 you know that he can fly and the Raiders if this ball is caught inbounds bounds the game's almost over.
1: Shame on you guys. Shame on you for calling out poor Lamar Jackson, the undrafted rookie corner who was asked to guard Henry Ruggs on an island in a Hail Mary situation. Luke, I know you saw that. I know you you, what do you think about it? Was that an epic tank job by the Jets springing Raiders receivers wide open in Hail Mary situations? They did it on back-to-back plays now, or was that just epically dumb coaching? Is that just Greg Williams in a nutshell? What do you think?
2: Oh, It's definitely Greg Williams in a nutshell, and I, I tell you what, I I saw somebody tweet this. I forget who it was, but, but somebody said, you know, because obviously Greg Williams has been fired at this point. Somebody said if if, co- if calling a cover zero jailbreak blitz is the last thing that Greg Williams does as a defensive coordinator in the NFL, that's definitely how he would have wanted to go out because he, he his career will have died as it lived, uh, doing absolutely ridiculous things in ridiculous situations that make absolutely no sense. But obviously, you know, I'm a draft guy, so from a draft perspective, I mean, what I've always told people is that players will never tank coaches and general managers definitely will do it under certain circumstances and owners absolutely will, depending on the circumstances. So while there's not a player, you know, wearing a Jets helmet out there that wanted to lose that game, it's really hard to look at the way they finish that game and see anything other than an absolute attempt to make sure that they didn't. Because again, while this is going on, you go to Minnesota and Jacksonville is challenging, you know, Minnesota in that game and Jacksonville's the only team that's really close to the Jets one game back in the draft order. So you're thinking to yourself, hey, depending on what happens there, we might have some breathing room, but it was really fun to watch both those games on red zone and and watch everything go back and forth. But I mean, come on, poor Lamar Jackson. Not only is is he a rookie out on the island, but he's a big physical guy, not a speed guy. Henry Ruggs is literally one of the fastest people in the entire league. Uh, To leave him in that situation is just, I mean, it's coaching malpractice really. If you're you're not just trying to tank, uh, I don't know what else they were doing. And obviously it helps the Raiders. I think every, every fan from every angle in that game was excited. The Raiders got their win it was epic it was fantastic the Jets squandered their chance to win their first game and obviously if you're a Jets fan at this point you're much more interested in probably getting Trevor Lawrence than you are winning a meaningless game in December Uh,
1: I'm not going to just go I'm not going to go off right now if you want to hear my rant about the Jets and the Raiders ending go check out the Raiders Wire podcast with myself and Marcus Moser over at the Raiders Wire we did a whole segment on this game on this uh, finish so go check that out but Luke you said uh, it was fun to watch on Red Zone I will say it was fun that was fun to watch on Red Zone unless you took the Vikings in your survivor pool that was not as fun With the Jaguars playing like they did, the Jags really gave them a run for their money, and the Vikings played like garbage. So hopefully the Vikings play like that against the Bucks this week. But here we go. I have another clip for you to react to. This is going to be our second question.
0: you believe in superstitions? I I always like to read the program front to back for whatever reason. Before the game, you know, by the end of the season, you know, where every accountant for the Colts went to college. What were yours? What what was your – My superstition superstition was that I needed to have maybe a shot – a shot and a half before every game of Hennessy what you mean oh, I was thinking yeah, yeah Gatorade for Gatorade all. I don't know what toward I was thinking <laughs> hell no and, it's, and there's a bar right there in the locker room in Seattle and Schneider and yeah, Pete Carroll backpack got it
1: Oh my god, Marshawn Lynch is a gift to humanity, Luke. Uh, so in case you couldn't make out those voices, it was Marshawn Lynch and Peyton Manning on that Peyton's Places thing on ESPN. Just complete gold. And, you know, I know you've been a long-time reporter of the Bucks, and I was just wondering, you know, obviously getting to cover Marshawn Lynch and getting to interact with him maybe behind the scenes when he wasn't doing his thing in front of the cameras, when he was maybe... You get him in a spot like Peyton Manning had him on, where he could kind of tell you those funny stories and you get to know him. He just seems like he'd be hilarious to to cover. Who's been your favorite bucks Player to cover, and who's a guy that would get like maybe if you had a chance to like get on a golf course or something with him would be like that candid with you. Like, is there any Bucks player that would jog your memory that would kind of give you that kind of moment?
2: Oh, wow, that's hard. That, that's first of all, that's a it's a really high bar for a guy like Marshall. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, he's iconic in a way that's um, that's really just. <laughs> It's on a, it's yeah. on a, I'm not trying to get you I'm not sure. trying
1: to get you to that level. I'm just wondering like and you could even like bring that question down to like who who's like I your think, favorite player to talk to and cover.
2: I think honestly, it's hard to pick against Mike Evans and in in terms of my probably my favorite player to cover. That's your boy. And and because I go back to talking to Mike in the locker room after the Giants game last year. And if you remember that's a game Mike had three touchdown catches in the first half. Yeah. He had a huge catch at the very end of the game in the final seconds to set up what should have been the game winning field goal, Matt Gay missed the chip shot field goal and the Bucks ended up losing that game, but actually Mike after the game said he was mad at himself that he was like, oh, if I tracked the ball differently, I would have caught it and scored a touchdown, so they wouldn't have had to kick the field goal, and like, I asked Mike after the game you know, how he kind of reconciles having such a huge day, I think he had, you know, well over 100 yards, and like I said, three touchdowns in the first half, the big catch that should have set up the win, and like, to just see his reaction, That it's one thing for for a guy to say, oh, I don't care about stats. I'd rather win. And you can kind of tell when obviously they do care about stats and they'd like to have, yep. you know, but but to really see that in Mike's face and his response to be there in person and kind of feel the energy from him and know that he's not BSing you. Like he's tired of having games where he goes off, but the team loses and, and he's just so sick of it. So, you know, to, to watch the team succeed to the level they have this year, you know, not just for guys like Mike, guys like Levante David, other guys that have kind of been on this team for a little while now and, and not had enough team success to where people really appreciate them as players but you know Mike's is as impressive as he is off the field he's even better as a person some of the things he's done in the community here in Tampa are just you know fantastic I had I remember a few years back I um a fan had reached out to me you know because they had had a death in the family and, and you know we're trying to pay for funeral expenses and sent me the link to their GoFundMe I had put it out on Twitter and within minutes Mike had paid off the whole thing without saying a word that's a great story um, so it's you know things like that that's just kind of person he is so I mean that's that's that way you want to talk about a guy who would be candid in the Marshawn Lynch way, I probably have to pick JPP. Mm -hmm. Um, just because he's the kind of guy who really, you don't even really need that for him to be that kind of candid. I remember last year, again, back when we could be in locker rooms and talk to people in a bit more of a, a different setup. Somebody, I believe it was Jenna Lane from ESPN, had had kind of asked him the week after he had come back, because he had had that car accident, obviously, where he had had a fractured vertebra in his neck. And he's still trying to come back, you know, and, and play football. And she's like, hey, this is, you know, not a not an injury that a lot of people come back from and, and, and walk from, let alone try to play football. <laughs> And immediately, without missing a beat, he snaps back in, in a really playful way. He was like, "Yeah, not a lot of people come back from having their hand blown off either." <laughs> <laughs> but here I am. So absolutely, one of those things that like everybody's thinking it, but nobody's actually going to say it. Right. And he I was just, actually he thinking it as you were. Floors saying it, everybody. Like, okay. He's like, "I'm going to go there. I'm going to take it there." Like I forgot so, about the
1: neck thing, but man, I, all I could think about like what about the firework thing? You know, like yeah. Oh
2: well, he he took it there. He he did he did it all for us. It was great. So he he's definitely the guy that I think would be would have a. Uh, quite a few fun stories
1: more questions with luke coming up next
0: it's that time again the line of the week the inside track to the favorites the underdogs and the over-unders i think i want my money back now here are jeff clark and Eston mclaren from usa today's sportsbook wire Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of sportsbookwire.com and
4: Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 14 Sunday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Buffalo Bills. The Bills return home as two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Steelers, who come off their first loss of the season, losing 23-17 to the Washington football team Monday night. Jeff... Did the Steelers get back on track or are the Bills now contenders to win the AFC? Nope. I like the Bills here to win by more than a field goal. Head coach Sean McDermott is a defensive guru, and the Steelers have become a one-dimensional on one offense over the past couple of weeks. Also, they look kind of weak against Alex Smith in that Washington passing attack, which is not nearly as explosive as Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Again, I like the Bills minus 2.5 here. I'm going to get back on the Steelers. This is a get-right game for them. James Conner expected back from the COVID list. That's huge. That makes them two-dimensional once again. Gives them that rushing attack they've sorely missed. And there's just way too many weapons in that passing game. Give me the Steelers plus 2.5. They may, they may even win this one outright. Back the Steelers to win on the road in Buffalo.
1: All right, man, there will be no perfect season in the NFL right after the Steelers were stunned by that Washington football team on Monday night. They were up 14-0, Luke, and they couldn't put away the the football team. You know I'm a diehard Patriots fan, so I'm I'm happy that the Steelers did not finish 16-0, even though I don't really want to remember that 2007 season. The 16-0 thing is still something that we can hang our pink hats on if we want to as Patriots fans, I guess. But what do you think? In the modern-day NFL, do you think we're going to see it? Do you think we're going to see another team like that 2007 Patriots? Patriots team that goes out, runs the table, maybe takes a Super Bowl run, takes a crack at a perfect season. The Steelers gave it a good shot, but they are pretty flawed, and I think we all knew it was going to come to an end eventually. How long do you think we're going to wait? Do you think it's this iteration of the Chiefs that might do it, or do you think we're waiting longer, maybe another generation?
2: I definitely think the Chiefs have have what it takes to do it. It's just going to be a matter of the, the league's a funny thing, man. You can have all those pieces in place, and all it takes is one week with a, an injury, or you know, the ball bounces a certain way, and then like you said, with it, it's Washington taking down the Steelers. It wasn't even, if you look ahead on their schedule, you think maybe Buffalo, right? Maybe right. Buffalo's the that team. The that's that's the way the league works, man. And, and again, that's why if you're a Bucs fan, to take it back to the Bucs, you look at the rest of the schedule and you're like, oh, they should beat all these teams well let's see what happens because that's not the way the league works so I mean I think probably the smart money would be on the fact that no we're not going to see anybody do it because it's just such a, a gauntlet man it's so hard from a week to week basis it's such a cliche no matter who you ask in the league it's really hard to win in this league it, I mean it is and it's you know evidenced by the fact that again outside of those those Patriots man who again didn't even go the full distance but just doing the 16-0 and thing is ridiculous at this point um, but I, I, I think even as talented as the Chiefs 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 are, I'll just have to believe it when I see it, man. I don't know that you can get through 16 games injury-free, healthy enough to to put together a completely undefeated season and then go into the playoffs and run the table and win the Super Bowl. I just don't know if we'll see it anytime soon.
1: The Saints are 3-0, and as we mentioned earlier. With Taysom Hill at quarterback, they're 3-0. He's probably going to get one more start. It feels like that's kind of where it's going with the Saints. He's going to get one more start against the Eagles, and they're hoping to get Drew Brees back. But I'm thinking about, like, 2021. If Brees does retire, if this is indeed his swan song playoff run, which it seems like it is, and they go with Taysom Hill next year, do you think the Saints are still in a position to kind of control the NFC South like they are, still be that leader in the clubhouse, still be a dominant team? Or do you see some red flags with Taysom Hill, Luke, over these last few weeks that would give you pause and maybe think, like, as a Bucks fan, would make you feel like, okay, we can go get them with Taysom at quarterback? What do you think about that?
2: I mean, I definitely think he has a very different skill set and some serious limitations as a as a passer. And again, one of the things that always kind of intrigues me with the way some people view him as a as a player is that he's some sort of young project who just needs time to develop. He's thirty years old, man. <laughs> like
1: he's a grown he's, man.
2: You know, played at BYU. You know, obviously got a later start than a lot of people. But like, he's not you know Trey Lance coming out of North Dakota State with a year of starting experience at twenty years old and you know just needs some time to, to get into his mid-20s before he can settle in I mean this guy's going to be in his 30s before he's actually a full-time starter in league so it's not like you know he's a, a quarterback of the future type of deal he needs to he needs to be that guy now for this team so obviously they're having success but I think I think what 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 is what is allowing him to succeed is is yes he has a unique skill set but obviously he has a head coach in Sean Payton who's one of the one of the best in the game. One of, the, one of the most, we talk about how you know the Bucks have struggled to kind of find an offensive identity. The Saints are the complete opposite. The Saints know exactly who they are, what they do well and what they don't, and they are really, really good at putting their guys in position to be successful and Taysom Hill is a prime example of that. So Sean Payton has done a great job of molding this offense to what he does well. It's a very easy thing to do when you have a really good offensive line and you have a guy like Michael Thomas to throw the ball to. You have a guy like Alvin Kamara to hand the ball off to and throw the ball to. So they have got weapons and so many ways in which they can kind of mitigate what Hill doesn't do well. And the biggest thing is that defense, man. They might be the best defense in football. I know that's not something we've usually thought about when we think about the Saints in recent years, but man, they are very underrated on defense, one of the best units in the league. And when you put all those things together, coaching, defense, offensive you know, scheme and, and personnel and being able to marry that all together, it gets to the point where it might not matter who's quarterbacking for you to be successful. And I think while it could be, you know, obviously, you'd rather not face a guy like Drew Brees because of what he does well. Because of everything else that's in place in New Orleans, and continuity that they have I don't know that it really helps the Bucks much at the end of the day who's playing quarterback there and, and Taysom Hill again he, he's got such a unique skill set and they use him so well that it doesn't really matter that he's not that great of a passer and obviously that's been borne out in the fact that they haven't lost
1: the Bucks are favored by six and a half at home against these Minnesota Vikings that are kind of hot now they were a little sketchy against the Jags Luke but they are hot. they they've they're on a roll, and they're now in the playoffs. If the if the freaking thing started today, the Minnesota Vikings are in the playoffs, which is crazy with the way they started. What do you think about that spread? Bucks favored by six and a half at home. You trusting them to uh, lay the points?
2: I, I am. I, I've got them winning 24-17. I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think it's going to be tough. I think that you know what the Vikings do best. The Bucks defend the best, which is obviously the running game. The Bucks even with Vitavea out, and this is something I asked Andomak and Sue about yesterday. You know how they've been able to still maintain that. Standard of being one of the best rush defenses in the league, even without one of the league's best nose tackles, you know, out of the out of the lineup since probably week five, Uh, and that's just a testament to to them and Todd Bowles and the way they've been able to scheme. But Dalvin Cook is going to be tough to stop. I think if you do stop him, you've got Adam Thielen, you've got Justin Jefferson, one of the better wide receiver tandems in the league. This comes down to getting pressure on on Kirk Cousins. They've got to get after him. They play action and and boot a lot. So so the defensive line is going to be have to be very disciplined. They're going to have to rotate a lot because they're going to be on the run a lot, trying to chase him down. keep him in the pocket. But at the end of the day, I just think that if the if the Bucks are going to have a statement win they've got to get it here because, again, everything's pointing to them. The the Vikings looked very beatable against one of the worst teams in the league at home. The Bucs are coming out of a bye week that they very much needed. They're coming off their first losing streak of the of the year against two very, very good teams in the Chiefs and the, the Rams. And again, the Bucs played pretty poorly for most of those games and they still only lost 27-24 both games to the Chiefs and the Rams. So you can this team has proven that if they play badly, they can still hang with good teams. I think everything points to the Bucs being able to handle their business this week and they've got to because again, you, you lose this game, you absolutely have to win out to get in the playoffs, and, and even probably get some help at that point.
1: That was fun, Luke. I appreciate it. Hey, enjoy some Bucks football this week, all right?
2: Hey, yeah, it was actually kind of odd this past weekend in, in, in a good way, but uh, you know, a little less stress. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely enjoy this stretch here. And again, it, you know, especially for a, a longtime Bucks guy like me, this is going to feel like an old NFC Central game, right? Back Seriously. in the old days with yeah, uh, you know Randall Cunningham or Dante Culpepper chucking it around.
1: We'll be back next week to break it all down. Thanks for joining us on the Bucks.